This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to another live episode of the Wisco Fanatic Show, where we discuss the Packers, Box, Brewers, Badgers football, and basketball from an optimistic perspective. Wisco Fanatics is brought to you by Cardboard Legacy, Wisconsin's most complete sports card shop. Buy, sell, grade, and consign all at their location in Oshkosh. All right, so we are back. Another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday, a basketball-filled version of the Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. Um, seven basketball games to talk about today. So a lot of basketball. Now, some are going to be more fun to talk about than others, but... That's what we're here for. Yeah. So we got three Badger basketball games, four Bucks games. We're going to start with the Badgers like we normally do. So we got to go all the way back to last Wednesday. And let's start with the Michigan game. Mike, what stood out to you from last Wednesday against Michigan? Well, first and foremost, this is, uh, you know, life in the Big Ten. Life on the road in the Big Ten is what I, uh, I like to tell anybody and a- any casual Badger fan that may watch one game a year, you know, that's just, you know, some kind of, that's what you have to tell them sometimes. I know it's a bad, it's not necessarily a bad, not a bad, um, not the greatest team on paper, but you know, sometimes when you're playing on the road, it just, things just don't go right. So, yeah. you know, I, I wanted to bring up a couple of things, both of which, you know, the batters need dramatic improvements on, I think in order for us to have, you know, a, successful season uh first and foremost um you know this kind of ties in with the slow start and but the turnovers man so uh, we had i think it was, it was 12 turnovers right in this game this is number one this is the 10th time the batters have turned the ball over 10 or more times this season that that is not wisconsin basketball no. one bit um you know, it, it makes me sick to my stomach, too, because that's obviously what we've been predicated on. That's like what our identity is to take care of the ball. You hear it every single game. Any commentator will talk about that and mention, oh, how how great Wisconsin takes care of the ball. Well, this year's kind of a different story, unfortunately. Um, you know, we, we shoot ourselves in the foot since in the beginning of games, too. It's not just this one. Um, we're going to talk about another game that kind of uh, did the same thing to themselves as well. But, you know, we had six turnovers in the first nine, I think it was nine, nine possessions, 19 possessions of this game. And, you know, which led to us trailing this game for 33 minutes. You know, that, that, that's just not a good recipe for, to win a basketball game, much less on the road. Um, but no, it was definitely worth, you know, no call calling out. You could tell like, again, from the jump that we just did not look like ourselves. Uh, it was even a downgrade from obviously from the Purdue game because we we at least played hard. We had a chance to win this one. It just it was just kind of one of those where we couldn't get enough stops and couldn't generate enough to you know get over that hump to take that lead in the second half. So um, yeah, we got to cut the shit out with the turnovers basically. So um, and then my ne- my second tech takeaway was um, you know on defense right. So and I'm gonna specifically talk about defending quick guards because this has been. A, um, an issue this season. It was more so, it was really uh, similar to how we played against Penn State. 
because, you know, they got very downhill. They got they had two guys that got downhill on us like the whole time, it seemed like. And Doug McDaniel was the main culprit of that for, um, for, for Michigan. So going into this year, Michigan is one and eight when Doug McDaniel scores less than 15 points. He did have 16 against us, which, you know, it's I know it's barely above. But um, one of the biggest issues was he got downhill and got, you know, consistent, uncontested looks to the close to the basket, whether it was going up for for a bucket or getting the the good, pa- uh, great pass off to somebody who could get who could finish it off. Um, you know, that was a consistent issue throughout this game. And Greg Gard actually talked about it afterwards. He mentioned it was an Achilles heel guard, like guarding those quick guards on, uh, but it's not just like the, like Chucky, for example, it's not just him who's guarding the actual guy. It's a team effort in terms of rotations, you know, guys have been sloppy. Jake, we we did mention Nolan winter on a, a specific rotation in that Michigan game too, we whether did. he was getting, he was getting rejected by like a ball screen, I think, and he didn't rotate in time. That's been kind of like schematically, it's just been an issue with these guys this year. So, um, that's just another thing that we have to clean up because playing quick guards, just like Doug McDaniel, I think it was Penn State, and then even the Minnesota game too, that comes to my mind, a very quick guard that just happened to get some buckets on us. So um, it's just something we have to clean up. So I want to throw out, I'm looking right now, I'm trying to find somewhere that'll give me pace because you brought up turnovers, and I want to know if there's a correlation with the Badgers playing faster than we're accustomed to them playing over the last 20 years and their turnovers. Um, that's something where, you know, you're slowing down the pace where you're not going to have necessarily, uh, you know, guys trying to make quick extra passes in transition that maybe that's where some of those extra turnovers are coming from. So I'm curious to know the correlation in uh, turning up the pace to turnovers. So I'm going to actually write yeah. that down. I'm going to look into that yeah. for next week. Cause I'm so I'm curious to see how that actually correlates. Yeah. And I guess even more so it was in the beginning of this game too, where it really took place. It's been a common theme with this team, but no, I would still be curious with that too. Cause you, you are right about that. I, I mean, there is little uptick in pace of play, so it's a, it's a fair point. Well, that's just kind of go off schedule here. I would like if they played a little bit faster pace, but you're going to have to be okay yeah. with some sloppy turnovers, but uh, on the offensive end, you have to be just as in sync as you are on the defensive end, right? Like the Badgers are used to running a certain style. But if you're going to push the pace, you have to have other people with you, where it seems like every once in a while with the Badgers, it's just Tyler Wall pushing the ball up the floor and nobody's really trailing and nobody's really with him to kind of give yourself an advantage. And Tyler and I and Mike, and we, we've all talked about this with, with A.J. Store, right? He had, he had one last night where he could have, you know, made it an advantageous situation for himself by giving it up to Chucky and making it a two-on-one, and he ended up forcing a shot, which I understand believing in your your abilities, but being able to take that basketball IQ and, and put it on the floor, that's that's the real execution type stuff. That's what the coaches have to get into these guys. So The next level guys are going to want to know that too if you're looking that correct. far ahead. Yeah, yeah, for sure, 100%. Uh, Jake, what's it up to you from uh, last Wednesday? You guys are not going to like my second takeaway because I did a lot of math. It's a lot of numbers. It looks like a mess, but you know what? I understand it, so it doesn't really matter. I believe so. you. <laughs> Can't wait. So the first thing I'm going to take away is Chucky Hepburn. And one of my goals, and one of I kind of challenged Chucky. Um, it's because I believe in him. And he was a scorer last year, and he kind of had to be. But, you know, this year he hasn't really been – hunting for his own shot. And I feel like that was a problem for this team 
where it could take them to the next level and, and kind of make them go away from some of the dry spells that they seem to have. Um, obviously, that wasn't the case in this game because they had plenty of dry spells. But uh, Chucky Hepburn still was looking for a shot. Uh, 17 points, two rebounds, one assist. He was 6 of 11, 2 for 3 from, from downtown. But the thing that kind of went away from Chucky as he was looking for a shot is he was getting beat on the other end a little bit because he was putting a little bit more energy on the offensive end. But I will say, as Mike brought up, I, I wrote in my little notes, bring up winter. There was a few times, in my opinion, uh, you guys can go back and watch if you want. There was a few times I feel like winter was a little bit slow on getting back. Now, the Badgers were kind of hard hedging those screens because Doug is very good um, at getting downhill. And this is another one of those situations where we can give credit to the opponent, right? Michigan yep. has talented players. They're a big school. So yep. we're in the NIL era. They have money to throw around to these basketball players. So for them to be as bad as they are is, is insane record-wise. Yeah. Um, I don't think Jawan Howard's a very good coach. I think he just has a loud mouth. Um, but, you know, they do have talented players, and Doug is a very quick guy and able to get downhill. Uh, so the Badgers are trying to hedge that to give their guy a chance to get through the screen and, and contest, right? And I feel like Winter kind of screened uh, Hepburn a few times. So that's something that he's going to understand as he grows. I'm not trying to, to rip on him or anything like that, but that's just, experience thing. that's a playtime thing. Exactly. Um, so my last thing that I took away was the offensive dry spells. <clears throat> Get ready to puke. <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you all the numbers. You guys are just going to have to trust me. There's a lot of numbers on this paper, a lot of numbers up here. Okay. So <laughs> in the first half, they had six minutes and 47 seconds with no field goals. And then the first 20 minutes, they had six minutes and 47 seconds. In the second half, they had of 20 minutes of playtime, they had 10 minutes and 52 seconds with no field goals. Oh, um, that's that's a lot. So when you add that up, they had 17 minutes and 39 seconds of no field goals. And when you add on top of that, this is a team that shot 13 of 19 from the free throw line. Spoiler alert, I'm going to bring that up again later. So you're missing six points from the free throw line. You have offensive dry spells of 17 minutes and 39 seconds. That's almost half the game, and you yeah. lost this game by four. Mike yeah. brought it up last week, control the controllables, get good shots. Now, we did have some free throws in those times, but I'm just talking strictly field goals. But the offense that we run and pushing the pace, I think would be something that could help us, in my opinion. Yep. So you guys had some good takeaways from the game specifically. Now I want to talk about first of all, hi Reggie. <clears throat> I want to talk about how we respond to adversity one, and then how we as fans and the three of us being Wisconsin sports talk show participants, hosts, <laughs> uh, direct our focus after losses and tough stretches because obviously we're gonna we're gonna transition this into the Rutgers game in a second but <clears throat> I want to bring up a section from a book called the mental game of baseball now this is a baseball book but it applies to just sports in general and it applies to life even further and that's something that Jake and I have been um, you know uh, advocates for is being able to apply how we react to sports to life and being able to use it to teach ourselves lessons. Mm -hmm. So this comes from the mental game of baseball. This is a book that is essentially almost required reading for minor league baseball players. They literally, this book is seriously, it's a, 
it's a big deal as far as baseball is concerned, but it, it, it truly applies to sports and life in general. So I'm just going to read this one paragraph here. We control ourselves. We realize that some conditions, situations, and problems are uncontrollable. But when we control our reactions to problems and adversity, we are controlling their effect on us. How we act and react will illustrate the degree of our self-control and our mental discipline. So what this really says to me and how I really am viewing this, this, this three game at this point losing streak is seeing how people react and it shows what people are focused on and their level of mental toughness and self-control. Because we have, we've discussed this with multiple sports and multiple teams that it's sad that we have to literally avoid any sort of social media, which is literally the opposite purpose that it was designed for after games like this. Because that's why we do this show. We want to interact with Wisconsin sports fans. Yeah. But right now, there's so much work for us to do that we actively avoid those situations because of how people act. And this is what I'm going to say with this, is, is this middle part that we are controlling their effect on us is by letting yourself get so angry about results that you have no control over. And at best, if you are you know a fan who goes to a game, you know, you can add your voice to the cheers. That's, you know, that's what you can do. But as far as the games being played themselves go, unless you are a player or coach, that the outcome is uncontrollable to you. And at that point, if you're going to go as far as, you know, whatever negative things you're going to say on the internet go, that does have an effect on other people. But you do control that. Mm -hmm. So you are taking something that you do control, which is your voice and your keyboard, and now it is negatively affecting other people because you are mad because you cannot control your reaction to an uncontrollable outcome. It's just like all those memes going around uh, after the 49ers won, lost the Super Bowl. And it was like it was trash pickup day and there's all the broken TVs. Like, what did that get you? Because you're going to have to buy a new TV and now you look like a dipshit. Yeah. You, you obviously <laughs> saw the clip of the guy who apparently lost 20 grand. And yeah. like, it is literally just smashing his TV or whatever. Yeah. that. Yeah. So, and, and even like I said, the situation. Yeah. You already lost 20 grand. Now you're going to need a new TV, which is not cheap, by the way. So, that one, hell no. <laughs> so, so what? Are you, what are you doing? And if we're, if we're like, I'm just gonna go back to the social media aspect of it. If we're talking about social media, all you're doing by posting something negative is smashing somebody else's TV. Is how I'm gonna say it. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we've talked about this, and I this study is old by now, but it's probably the most recent one that's been done. But eight to nine negative posts per positive one. Do you think that ratio improves after losses? Because I guarantee you it doesn't. No. I would bet my entire life net worth that it doesn't get better after losses. It's like commenting on a business. A negative comment reflects more than a good one. It's just how what and, life and is. And that's where like we've gotten to this point, too. Jake and I talked about it last Wednesday with intangibles of people. When, when people are just constantly making negative comments all the time, that reflects on the fan base. 
So I'm just going to throw a word out there that I'm going to talk about later in the show as well, but accountability. And it's a big word going around in the Milwaukee Bucks, and it could be a big word in your life as well. Hold yourself accountable to be a good person. There is literally zero reason for half of these comments. And, and I'll say this is if you're, if you're the person that's negative, you know, and, and I get being frustrated because we have that, we yep. have that three of yep. us have that Those yep. times of being frustrated with things, whether, whether it be individual possessions or, <clears throat> or single games or stretches of games or entire seasons, regardless of what it is, whatever the sample size is, we get frustrated at times too. But what we don't do is let it control our emotion. Because when you let it control, you know, how you go and act then. And, you know, Jake and I have done this at times where we would like the next day we'll make, we'll type out a whole post about, you know, why we're still optimistic going forward and things like that. And maybe we should get back to doing that. But it's when you do the opposite and you go and post, you know, Greg guard should be fired or this person sucks. This person sucks. You know, I hope this person transfers out and you want to say all those things. Yeah. You are essentially letting, you know, giving control of your emotions to a an outcome that you have no say in. Exactly. That's just stupid, in my opinion. And I get, you know, I get wanting to put, you know, some some faith in another, you know, something you're a fan of. Mm-hmm. But letting it control you to that point takes all the power out of your hands and puts it in somebody else's. And we're right now talking about student athletes. Damn. Yeah. So that was the first thing. Second thing. I want to talk about bias. So with us, we do our show more positive and optimistic point of view, which has led us to being, you know, accused of being biased or, you know, saying that we're only sunshines and rainbows if I had a dollar for every time I heard that. (laughs) Or not being realistic. That's another one. You know, because we're optimistic, we can't be realistic. Which is just not true. Now, and that's something we strive for. Connor Asijin, I think these comments actually came out on Friday or Saturday, but I'm going to use them now. Because this game, the Michigan game, was one where people are like, oh, fire guard. They lost to one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. This is, Connor's agent has given a perfect example of showing what bias actually looks like. And Connor's agent is ammunition that people that don't like Greg Gard have, have used a lot for a reason to fire him. All Connor's agent's taking a step back under guard or Connor's going to transfer, so we should fire guard when you know, last season, the Badgers were the only one that had offered Connor in his scholarship, but that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. But then Connor Asijin gets asked by multiple reporters about his relationship with Greg Gard. And Connor Asijin points out that he is, appreciates Greg Gard holding him accountable and helping him get better. <clears throat> and then people that don't like Greg Gard will go, well, what do you expect him to say? That's what bias looks like. Because that is where you're getting two two differing things and using it, twisting it to fit one narrative. Yeah. That's what bias actually looks like. Sometimes it's impressive 
how people can twist things and make them fit. It's ridiculous. So we need to we need to work on that as well. <coughs> okay, so we can go to Rutgers. Mike, what's that out to you from Saturday? You are muted. My bad. <laughs> uh, based off of what you just said, I'm going to bring in Connor Seager right away. Uh, obviously, this ain't the great. This wasn't the greatest game. We all know that. Uh, but the one bright, one bright spot I thought was, you know, Connor Seager. Um, he had 15 points, five of 12 shooting, two rebounds. And I really wanted to bring up, you know, not just a stat line, but I, I felt like his confidence grew in this game. Uh, more so because, you know, he missed three of his first four shots once he got into the game. But as we saw, you know, he ended up going five for 12. So he had no problem, you know, cutting her loose, so to speak. He played 24 minutes. That was good to see as well. That had been one of his first games all year that he, he got over 20 minutes. So, um, but no, he, he looked good out there. I mean, there was plenty of opportunities for, for him. I know we were almost out of it damn near most of the game, but, um, he, he was flying around for the mo most part. And, um, no, it was good to see him, you know, getting into the flow of things. And, yeah, he was my one positive takeaway I think we could we could get from, from this game. So, uh, yeah, he was worth calling out. And then uh, this is kind of a broken record uh, for my second takeaway. I got turnovers slash ball security. And this really goes back to, similar to Michigan, um, our, start, our starts to the game. And, you know, we first off, we – the first half, we had 11 turnovers. Second half, we cleared things up, right? But 11 turnovers for the first half, that turned into 11 points of Rutgers. Um, the batters turned over the ball four times in the first nine possessions. Also not a good – that's a recipe for disaster right there. Um, and you know, at the end of the game, end of the day, kind of a culmination between Michigan and Rutgers, we're just not giving ourselves a chance to win these games if we're having starts like this. Because Michigan, we were trailing for 33 minutes. Rutgers, we didn't get the lead once. And when you're turning the ball over four times in the first nine possessions of a basketball game on the road in front of a raucous crowd at a gym where we have not had much success at collectively, um, you know, since we played at Rutgers, we, we're just not giving ourselves chances at all. So we need to, you know, yeah, cut down the turnovers again. I know we're going to check out that stat that Tyler mentioned before with more possessions and all that jazz, but it just seems like at the start of game specifically, we really put ourselves in a hole. And it doesn't help us out for, you know, our, our winning outcomes. So, so that I looked at 24 minutes that Connor Seaton played, that was his season high. His previous season high was 18. Um, Jake, what's that up to you from Rutgers? So I have two things, and they can kind of go hand in hand, and it's physicality and punching back. So there's a quote a couple years ago, and it's not actually physically punching back for the people at home, but there was a quote a couple years ago from Pat Connaughton, and he talked about playoff basketball and what's the most important thing in playoff basketball. He said, you're going to have to respond to runs with your own runs, Right. And Rutgers came out of the gate, and they threw a lob, and that place was loud. Yeah. And they hit a three-pointer, and all of a sudden you blinked, and it was 9-0. to zero. And it was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Right? If you're a Badgers basketball player, it's like, okay, take a timeout, let's take a deep breath, let's get some water into us, 
and then let's uh, let's let's recalibrate. And you know, there's plenty of time. There's a lot of game left, right? And although they they did stay within striking distance for most of the first half, I don't feel like they actually punched back. I felt like they were just playing even. And in my opinion, I felt like you know when I was watching that game, and I actually rewatched the replay of the game today, I really felt like Rutgers was being the more physical team. They were bumping us a little bit more on our screens. They were they were boxing out a little bit harder. They were going to the rim a little bit harder. And, you know, people always complain about people like Giannis. Uh, why does he shoot so many free throws? It's because he makes an effort to let the ref know, I'm going to go to the rim, and there's probably going to be three people that, that grab my arm or push me. But there's no, there's no secret to why he's getting those free throws. It's because he's being more physical and he's asserting himself. And the same could be said for teams. And I felt like the Rutgers were the more assertive team. Now, obviously, playing in their gym, and as Mike brought up, you know, we haven't had a lot of success there. But that's not an excuse for you to put your tail between your legs and go hide in the corner. That, that, that's not what we're about, right? Yeah. So I feel like they, they didn't punch back, and they didn't, they didn't match the physicality and energy level of the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, plain and simple. So my first one that I'm going to talk about this ties in perfectly to that because my first takeaway is identity. So my thing with this four-game losing streak is that I think it has a lot of guys playing hesitant. Mm -hmm. And then it had guys second-guessing themselves, which goes into that hesitation. Yeah. Then we also get into situations where when other guys are struggling, it makes some players feel like they have to do more. Mm -hmm. And I think AJ Store became one of those guys in this game. So then he's trying to do too much. He did make some tough plays, so I will say that. Yeah. Yep. But that can also get you to a point where you get in some trouble with turnovers, things like that, True. Um, True. taking bad shots. Like, that's, you know, I think yeah. that's the thing. Um, I did look into, while Jake was talking, um, turnovers and pace. So – 2022, the Badgers were 344th in pace at 65.7 possessions per game and averaged 8.6 turnovers. This season, they are 328th in pace, averaging 67.2 possessions and at 10.1 turnovers. So they're averaging uh, a, a, a possession and a half more and are turning the ball over one and a half more times. So I don't think it's quite enough to just say that, you know, the increased pace is increasing the turnovers, but I do think it's a factor. Right. You know, I wouldn't expect if the Badgers played five possessions faster that they would have five more turnovers a game. But I do think it's it's a factor into the turnovers being up, but I don't think it explains it away. So I do think they still can take care of the ball better um, while playing at their slightly faster pace. Yeah. <clears throat> Second thing with this game, free throws, free throws, free throws, free throws. It's something the Badgers have actually been pretty solid over the course of the year, but um, they struggled in this game. Uh, down double digits for much of the second half could have felt a lot closer and could have been single digits uh, if guys are knocking down free throws, especially the front half of one-on-ones. The Badgers mm. finished 13 of 21 on free throws in this game. Yeah. So that was the other big thing for me. Then we can go to last night's game. The three of us actually watched this game together. So, Mike, what stood out to you from last night's game against Ohio State? So, I'll actually start with defense because this has got to be – there's not too many games that the Badgers have been a part of this year in which we've only given up 50-ish points 
in a basketball game. So I, I'm going to call up the defense actually to start uh, collectively. Um, I mentioned last time we played Ohio State, one of their main dudes, Jamison Battle, he averages 13 a game. This dude only ended up with one of six shooting with three points. So I'm going to credit Max Klesman, I think, for the, mo- for the most part was on him. I know we have, you know, I was talking earlier about rotations and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, credit to, I believe, Max Klesman, um, who was on him for the most part. So I um, want to give a shout out to him. And even Bruce Thornton, he's like their other ma- main dude for Ohio State. He went eight of 19, two of six from three, ended up with 18 points. But I think as we saw, Chucky Hepburn gave him a very, very tough time last night. And I think most of those points were even more so later on in the second half. He made some and I, crazy shots, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. correct. Um, I think a couple of those were even off of second chance points. Off of yeah, like, one, I know like, we gave a up. shot clock where he like pump fake double clutched and threw up a three and that went right. in. Yeah. So I was like, all right, you played your defense like it happens. Exactly. So, I mean, collect, I mean, those two are two of the top score. Two guys are two of the top scores in the big 10. So if you hold one of those guys to three points, when he averages 13, your, your, your odds of winning that game are going to be pretty good. So, um, no guarding those two, two guards. Well, I guess Jameson battles before, but they're two top scores, um, 21 points combined, hell of a job by our Wisconsin defense. So, um, great call out there. And then number two, I wanted to call out a player. I did AJ store. Um, I know we kind of uh, talked about his decision-making earlier. And I mean, aside from that, from that play, his decision-making was actually fairly well. He let the game come to him, I feel like, for the, a little bit. I mean, he ends up with 14 points, 12 boards, which is nuts. That is awesome. Uh, six offensive rebounds, six defensive rebounds. So he's got a, uh, a bit of both on both um, sides of the court. And he only had one turnover, too, which I think is big time because um, – I, I think I can, you guys can attest to this when I say he's gotten caught in some, you know, situations where he's, you know, turned over the ball numerous times. I know Rutgers and in Michigan yep. specifically, um, but it was, you know, even if he does score a lot. So if he can improve that decision making, making a bit, you know, get away with maybe having one turnover a game uh, combined with getting that double double. I mean, things are going to look great for him the rest of the year. So, uh not even just his stat line, but like his decision making, I do feel like is still improving. Um, let me throw this out there too. Uh, Greg Gard actually talked about it today and last night that they were challenging AJ Store to do more rebounding and to be better at rebounding. And I mean, the well, number I- if you if you're only looking at box scores, it speaks for itself. He went out and he did it, especially on the offensive end. To come up with six offensive rebounds is huge. Yeah, and I know specifically like two of those shots that went up that he got were like at the end of shot clocks. I know like Chucky had one shot. I think maybe Max had another one, and he got I think both putbacks off of offensive rebounds too. So uh, no, if he can be a force down there with offensive rebounds, man, we're I mean we're gonna get more opportunities, and not even just on putbacks, but maybe he just gets a rebound and kicks it out to Max Klesman for an open three because there's gonna be dudes watching him, you know, because he's a threat. Well, he's, he could jump high, he's athletic, and if you follow him, he's a very good free-throw shooter. So there's a lot of benefits for him crashing the yeah. offensive glass. So Correct. Yeah. Um, Jake, what's up to you from, from last night? A few things. Uh, I'll start with the negative. Uh, the three-point shooting has been a problem for, for a while now. Uh, basically, the entire season, I've called it out a few times. Uh, but 
I added the the Purdue game in there because that was also a big game for us. But you know, last night we went seven to twenty-one. I felt like there was a lot of opportunities for us to to get better. And you know, with with, with this game, you got the Rutgers game, Michigan, and the Purdue game. You add them all together, we have been twenty for our last eighty. That is twenty-five percent. Um, if this team is going to take the next step, we're going to need guys like Max and Chucky and AJ and even Stephen Krell. Uh, to start making some shots. It would be really nice if, I mean, Blackwell helps with that, but if Sejan could start helping out with that as well. But stretching the defense out will make it a little bit easier for guys like Tyler Wall to get some one-on-ones. Uh, that That's the main reason why uh, us as a panel get on Stephen Crowell for not shooting and becoming a threat on the perimeter because I understand that you want to be a low post guy. I appreciate that. I do. Mm-hmm. It's a lost art. It really is the, the footwork and, and the physicality aspect of it. But you have a guy like Tyler Wall with amazing footwork, some of the best footwork in the country. I'm just going to yep. go out there and say it. I don't care what anybody says. You're, you're some correct. of the best footwork in the country. You're not going to hear many arguments on this panel. But if you have that perimeter threat from center and you allow him to go down low and do his own thing, you know, even if you spread people out, we were just talking about AJ Store. there's going to be less people to box you out. There's going to be less bodies. He can get some tip slams. Uh, he can get some and one opportunities maybe. So you have to have that threat of the three-pointer as we are in the three-point era, and it's only going to get more and more and more. I mean, we're seeing high school highlights of these kids pulling up from 35 feet. I mean, (laughs) you have to be able to shoot the ball in today's world. That's just the way that it is, right? And I want to call out Chucky Hepburn. Um, I called him out earlier in the Wisconsin-Michigan game. I called him out last week and and my goals, and I think that he played a really, really complete game last night. Nine points, five rebounds, seven assists. He was controlling the offense perfectly. He was playing physical. Uh, I believe in the Rutgers and, and the Michigan game, he didn't play the best game that he could defensively. Uh, POA, point of attack uh, defender, is a really big term now in basketball, and he is the number one guy on the Badgers, right? So I think that he had bad games by his standards uh, on the defensive end uh, you know, in those two games, and I feel like he ratcheted back up to who we really think that he is in the Ohio State game. So just wanted to give him a shout-out. He also hit the dagger three that kind of put this game away, so – uh, shout out to Chucky Hepburn. He's, I feel like his confidence is growing and he's turning into the player that I thought and we all thought that he was going to be coming into this season. So uh, good job by him. So Brett said he's looking forward to our Bucks takes. We're going to get there. <clears throat> Brett's uh, burning the midnight oil a little bit, only two two hours of sleep after watching the post game. <laughs> um, I want to do a quick talk about Nolan Winter. Uh, this game is going to be one of those games where Greg Gard is going to burn the game onto a DVD and send it home with them. Yep. And he can watch it over and over again because there's a lot that Nolan Winter can learn from this game. Whether it be footwork on offense, um, making shots with confidence, because he did do that in the second half. He hit a, a pretty big three at a good mm-hmm. time. Not that there's ever a bad time to hit a three, but yeah, I mean, a crucial time, I'll say that. And, and then just defensive positioning. And, you know, that's, you know, Jake, to your point, you talked about Michigan game um, being a potential learning opportunity for him as well. It, it's just one of those things that's going to come with more playing time yep. and more coaching, honestly, um, that he'll he'll be able to learn from these things. So Nolan Winter, I want to talk about him. Secondly, I want to talk about a couple of runs. So the end of the first half, the Badgers finished the end of the first half on a 16-3 to run, and they cranked up the defense without fouling, which is a big thing. Yeah. yeah. So Max Klesmet, to his credit, and Jake, to your point about spacing and being a threat because it helps the spacing, Max Klesmet is a guy that we've seen get insanely hot from the three-point line. 
giving Max Klausman more space is only going to benefit the Badgers. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. So by by making it so that guys have to guard Stephen Crowell closer, only going to benefit guys like Max Klausman and A.J. Storr. Because yep. we know A.J. Storr can shoot too. He's just having you know a little bit of a down year compared to last year. But we know he's capable of it. Yeah. So giving those guys more space is only going to help. Max had eight of the 16 points on that 16-3 to run. Uh, AJ had his dunk, which helped with the momentum. Nolan Winter made two free throws, and Stephen Crowell had four points of that 16 points. So big run to end the first half. Then the Badgers started second half. They made four of their first six shots. So they had their lead up to 15. And we get to a point later where Ohio State made seven straight shots. And then the Badgers needed to crank the defense back up. Uh, shouldn't take seven straight shots to crank up the defense, but you know, it happens. It's college basketball. Momentum's a thing. I've talked about it a lot. Yeah. Then the Badgers finally get a couple misses, but Ohio State's still able to convert them into second chance points. That cannot happen. Yeah. So we talked about this with Stephen Crowell. This is one of those things where you got to get big, bud. It's been three years, and you know, there's no like noticeable more muscle. But you got to play bigger than your body at sometimes, and when your team needs to stop, and there's rebounds to be had, my guy, I need the big guy to go get those rebounds. Yeah, yeah. Um, so finishing those possessions, and I'm not only putting it on Stephen Crow. Obviously, like we just said, Greg Gard put it on AJ Store to do more rebounding, but it's a team thing. Everybody's got to box out, and we got to finish possessions on those situations, especially yep. when the other team's gaining a shit ton of momentum, making a bunch of shots in a row. You finally get a miss, and then they get a rebound, and they got five straight second chance points. So they essentially had nine straight possessions that they scored. Yeah. Jesus. That's but yeah. we're here to talk about runs, which basketball is a game of. So the Badgers Oof. actually cranked it back up, starting with those two possessions where they gave up the second chance points, but they were contesting shots and finishing defensive possessions with rebounds, and Ohio State then missed nine shots in a row. And it's not just because they were missing shots. The Badgers' defense was there. Yes. It was. Yeah, it so, was. That's why they say basketball's a game of runs. So the Badgers it's came out on top of it, back in the win column, which is good to see. Good old-fashioned Badger win, which if you love Bo Ryan and only talking about him, then last night's game should be the greatest game of your last uh, nine years during the, the Greg Gard era. So yeah, I'll put that out there. <laughs> All right. That said, the Badgers have more games in the next week than the Bucks do. That's because of the All-Star break. So the Badgers have two games. They play Saturday at Iowa and Tuesday against Maryland. So, Mike, what are your two goals for those two games? So we were ta- we were kind of talking about this before, but I, I said, number one, go back to your identity. And when I say that, when I say that, simply work through the post, Okay. It's, that's between Stephen Crawl and Tyler Wall. Our best looks on offense is when we get post touches, whether it's you know the finishing result of Stephen Crawl getting a bucket or he kicks it out and to Max Klesman or Chucky or somebody for for like a three ball or AJ Store kicks it kick it to the wing then he can you know bring it down and take it to the rim himself. We got very. Um, we got, we got away from that quite quite a bit in this last three game stretch, especially Michigan. Exactly, especially the Michigan game. It, it it had like similarities to Nebraska too, to be honest. Where you know we got a little bit of adversity hit at us, and then all of a sudden, during the headlights, we just you know wait till the shot clock runs down. We take you know 
jump shots, you know, that aren't very characteristic of us um, and just settling for jump shots in general. So get back to your identity, work through the post and get your good shots. Do what you guys have been doing really well in this year. And that's what it is. If you work through the post, you will get good shots. We have enough threats offensively that can, you know, do some damage if we do that. We've seen it all year. Uh, let me throw my first one in there just because mine's almost the exact same. Yeah. Uh, my first one is to use what works. So when you're scoring in the paint, keep going to the paint. Yeah. Uh, I think it was in the Michigan game. At one point, yeah. they had, what, six straight paint scores? Correct. And then they followed it up with two threes. Like, yeah. guys, keep if, if, it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, just keep going until they stop it. Yeah. Just keep going at the paint. And then my other thing with the paint is, and I'm just going to add this in, is when you get it in there, make a move right away. Right right away. As soon as the ball touches <laughs> your hands, do something with it. We were definitely harping on that one last night. Yeah. Fuck, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. If I have to watch for, like, another seven seconds come off the shot clock while Stephen Crumble dribbles and moves three feet, like, dude, you got to move the ball faster and stop letting the defense recover. Yep, exactly. Okay. Go ahead. Give your second one. And then this one's uh, – I want to bring this up because Chucky Hepburn actually played 39 minutes last night, which is insane. And I know injuries are a part of this, but we got to get more bench production now. I know we, we've had stretches where, you know, we've scored over 20, 20 points on the bench. We are capable of doing it. Hmm. I am – and I told you the guys this last night, I'm anxious to get Kamari McGee back. I'm anxious to get John Blackwell back. I know that's going to help a lot when that happens, but – um, you know, we, I don't, I, at the same time, I don't think we can live with Chucky playing 39 minutes in a, in a basketball game. I don't think Chucky it's can just, live with Chucky playing 39 yeah. minutes. In a basketball yeah, game. Exactly. And I mean, Klesman played 33. I mean, that's, yeah, that's still pretty high as well. So, um, I know our starters for the most part were relied upon to get this done, which I'm all for given the circumstances mm-hmm. on a four game losing streak, you right. know, we got to get this, you know, but I, you know, I look at like Chucky's, you know, 39 minutes and that kind doesn't make me cringe, but it, it definitely gets me a little nervous uh, for sure. So, you know, yeah. So get more bench production. I know that's, you know, whether it's Isaac Lindsay coming in, maybe hitting a couple jumpers here and there, uh, whether we have to do some more rotations, move, bring Connor in, put Klesman at the point guard spots. You know, I, I just like to see a little more bench production. Hopefully that starts with Blackwell, hopefully being back on Saturday. Uh, and Kamari. Kamari's going to be back, I think, pretty soon here. Uh, I thought February 15th was his, like, rough due date, to be honest. But, hmm. um, well, we'll see what happens. Cool. Yeah, my second one is to get John Blackwell half, uh, John Blackwell healthy. Um, you already brought up, you know, the bench scoring. But let me, let me throw in another subject we've been discussing is rebounding. You know, John Blackwell is a big guard. Uh, and I think we're actually seeing without John Blackwell – a little bit of the impact on the rebounding. Um, and I do think John Blackwell is another one of those guys where you're talking about, uh, you know, Stephen Crowell being a guy who can get the ball to go inside out, that John Blackwell is a guy who will shoot when he's open, but also will drive the ball when the opportunity presents itself and won't settle for jump shots. I think John Blackwell has that in his IQ to not settle for jump shots, but to take the ones that are there and then to drive the ball um, and we've seen him and Tyler Wall work some really beautiful two-man game. So I, you know, I like that with with Blackwell as well. Um, that those two are able to get each other good looks in the paint. So my other one is to get John Blackwell healthy. So J 
Jake, what are your two goals for next week? So I smiled uh, when Mike was talking during the, the Michigan game because he brought up dribble drive, and that's one of my goals. We have to stop the dribble drive. Uh, that's something that uh, irks me, man. You can't just be letting people have, have runways to the rim, man. That really – I'm not – We don't have – This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Badgers don't have Brooke Lopez like the Bucks do. It pisses me off, <laughs> honestly. Uh, so we got to stop the dribble drive. We have to communicate a little bit better on defense and, and shut that shit down. And then I'm really glad that you guys, you guys brought, both brought out free throws because that's something that I feel like we've really been lacking. So if you go over the week against Michigan, 13 of 19 against the Rutgers, 13 of 22. And last night against Ohio State, they were 11 of 16. That is 37 of 57 for the week. That is 64%. So – when you're not playing your style of offense, you're getting out physical in one of your games, you're shooting 64% for the week from free throw, and you're shooting 25% from the week from three-point line. That's just a recipe to go on a losing streak. So let's get back to it. Let's become the Badgers again. So on the season, the team is 76%. So you're talking 12% lower than their season average. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's got to improve. Get back agreed. to normal. Agreed. Yep. Alrighty. Well, like I said before, the Badgers have more games between now and next Wednesday than the Bucks do. So we will have Mike back next week to discuss those two Badger games. Um, and then we will. We'll see you next week, Mike. All right. Later, fellas. Have a good one. Later, Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Love you too. <laughs> <Yeah. clears throat> All right. So <clears throat> we jump into the Bucks. Now we're gonna do this. We're gonna talk about some of these games, but some of these are gonna be shorter recaps than others uh mm -hmm. the timberwolves game being one of those super short ones where honestly i have very few things to say um no damian lillard no chris middleton i get very very few concrete takeaways from a game like this um mm -hmm. just because i feel that the context of a game where you're talking about you know your your second and third best player not being in the game um leaves very little you know, that really translates to what you're expecting your team to look like when you get to playoff time. Um, so that said, I want to talk about Chris Middleton, first of all, because Lisa reported that Doc Rivers said that they're not going to rush Chris Middleton back from his ankle injury. Yeah. Um, and then John Horst had previously said a day or two before that, that Chris Middleton is day-to-day -day with his ankle injury. Yeah. Um, and with Chris Middleton continuing to appear on the injury report, I do think it's, you know, more of a short-term injury but they're not going to push it short term. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whether that means another week or two, uh, I do think it's encouraging that they're not like, no, he's going to be out for three to six weeks or something like that with a high ankle sprain or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
And then honestly, with this game, the Bucks shot well, the Wolves just shot better. Yeah. Um, and then looking at fundamental failures, 20 second chance points allowed. Minnesota is big. Points off turnovers, 16. Minnesota's good on defense, so they crank up turnovers. And then five missed free throws I can live with, but that's 41 on the fundamental failure points. That's uh I mean, you give credit to the opponent for for doing what they do against the team without two of their star players, and that's really all I have. Yeah, um, just want to—I mean, outside of what you brought up, great, great job, buddy. But just want to talk about Jay Crowder. He had a really good first half, so it was really nice to see Jay Crowder balling mm-hmm. in the first half. Yep. Uh, he was—he was cooking a little bit. That shows the potential of him when we're fully healthy, having that guy come off the bench, um, and then. The Milk Mamba. Say it, yeah. The Milk Mamba, <laughs> baby. Uh, that is by far the best nickname that I've seen for him. He's got a lot. I mean, AJ Threen, um, AJ Greenlight. I mean, there's just a lot. Uh, but but Milk Mamba, that <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, that's it. That's it. I don't care what else anybody else calls him. He's Milk Mamba from now on in my world. But he was on fire, 27 points, 9 of 11, 7 of 8 from 3. So, uh, if there's one thing, they found a, a nice young rotational piece that's going to be important for them for the rest of the season. Um, and the thing about him is we did some play breakdowns earlier this week, and he's not just a shooter. And it's it's really, really odd, I'll say. Um, but this is kind of the new age. Uh, if, if you're not going to be a superstar, you're not going to be able to do everything, but you're just going to be a shooter. You also have to be a, a point of attack defender to some degree. Really? And that's exactly what he was. Um, he, he's a big guy that can be physical and get over screens and he was showing his value in this game and every other game the rest of this week. So great job by both of those guys having, you know, yeah, yeah, Brad, I was going to try to avoid that, but holy crap, Anthony Edwards, dude, every call, whether it was for them or against them, he was vocal. I seriously cannot wait to play them again at the end of the month. And I hope we smack the hell out of them. Yeah. Hopefully Chris is back by then too, because I think Doc's going to have the team in a good place, and we'll talk about that in some of the later games this week. But yep. yeah, that's and it's like we said, there's there's a, not a lot contextually to take away from it, so it's just one of those games where you just crumple it up, throw it over your shoulder. Yeah. Uh, it's not really anything that's going to tell you about what the team's going to look like in April, uh, come playoff time. So um, yeah, Brett said even the Mike heard cats say, "Come on." Whatever. It's the same. It was the same with the Dallas game. It was the yeah. same with the Nuggets game. It yep. just just move on. Oh, I have something to say about those Nuggets announcers when we get to there. So. All right. Well, let's do Hornets first because this game is just what the doc ordered. Hell yeah, dude. Seriously, um, when you can win a game by as much as the Bucks won this game, and Giannis scores fifteen points, you're at a good spot. Um, Dame Dame looked really good. Brook Lopez. Uh, Malik looked really good. Uh, the Bobby Portis was balling. Uh, really, everything. I mean, we get we got we got the nasty highlights out of this one. Man, it, this game. <laughs> I just wrote in all capital letters. I said, "Fun." This game was fun. This was one of the few games during this season where people weren't taking the championship expectations and then just absolutely throwing the entire house at it. And I feel like that's part of the problem for a lot a majority of the fan base is they're thinking like we have championship expectations. We can't lose any game. You're going to lose some games. You know, you're not going to win every single game. I honestly cannot remember the last time that the team with the best record won the championship. Like it's 
it's been a while. Um, you could probably say that for for football. You could probably say that for for baseball. I mean, I mean, really, just because you have the best regular season record doesn't mean you're the best team, right? Yeah. Now, I won't disagree and say that it's been a lot of fun when the Bucks are the best team and we're blowing people up by 30 every other night. I mean, that's right. a great time. I have a lot of fun doing that. But I appreciate these games much more when we're going through these lumps and then all of a sudden we smack the hell out of somebody. I mean, that's that's fun for me. And yeah. the Hornets didn't have some players available, but it doesn't matter. This is a get-right game. This is exactly what the doc ordered, exactly like you said. And it got the team in, in the right mindset going into <clears throat> Monday night. Which, by the way, why are we playing so many back-to-backs? Well, let's save that. Let's save that for honestly. Save that for the Miami game. We're just we're just gonna just gonna set the base. Yeah, okay? we're gonna set the base for that. So I want to touch on a couple things that you said. First of all, being the fan perception of championship expectations. Mm-hmm. Yes, right now the Bucks are in. I'll say make the finals or bust. I agree. I, I'm not going to go so far as to say that if the if the Bucks don't win the championship, that the season's a complete catastrophic failure. If they make the finals and lose in six or seven games, like I'm not going to be mad. Like we're we're talking, you're we're one of the best two. Yeah. Even if the Bucks lose in the Eastern Conference Finals to the Celtics in seven games, like that series is going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Championships are not won in the middle of February. No. That that is why Giannis constantly talks about building good habits. Because what it boils down to essentially, and this is a phrase that you'll hear tons of personal trainers, athletes, high achievers talk about is that when you are in a situation and you know it's it's do or die time, you sink to the level of your training. Hmm. That's the phrase. So right now the Bucks are training for the playoffs. Mm. That's that's the situation the Bucks are in. The Bucks are not in a position to be developing young players. So I'm sick of seeing oh Ajax and Marjan aren't playing enough. That's not where the Bucks are in that's their franchise. For. That's not what they're there for. And I get that we want to develop young players, but honestly, championship windows are three to five years, and people are trying to keep them open forever indefinitely yeah and i get that i get wanting to feel like you can be a championship contender for the next 10 years but it doesn't work like that no and if you can keep it open for longer than three or four years that's where you get into dynasty territory if you can make you know enough enough runs at championships like that golden state so that exactly golden state is a perfect example so when when we're talking about the Bucks right now, they are in training for the postseason, and they are not in developing young guys mode. That's what the Pistons are doing. That's what the Spurs are doing. That's what the Hornets are doing. I mean, the Thunder are doing it, but they've they've assembled seventy nine first round picks. And their guys are entering their their prime. That is the most incredible thing I've ever seen, man. It's incredible. Um, but I mean that's that's not where the Bucks are. The Bucks are in contend now mode, not contend in three years mode. Mm-hmm. So you if you want the Bucks to be a championship team, you gotta let go of the developing young players thing. They just don't happen at the same time. Mm-hmm. And the Warriors are a good example. 
because they've had some picks in the last couple of years that just have not worked out. Wiseman is the prime example. That was the biggest blunder pick that they could have. If he would have worked out, their championship window would have reopened. Oh, yeah. 100%. So that's the thing. That's the first thing with this. Second of all, and we knew this was going to happen. We literally talked about it as it was happening the day before it happened. That if the Bucks won this game, the response from people who are negative was just going to be, oh, it's the Hornets. And we sat and we watched the scoreboard. We watched the ticker of the Celtics and the Wizards playing. And the Celtics beat the Wizards by four points. And the Bucks beat the Hornets by 36 points. And we've talked about it. Like, just get rid of the, oh, it was only this team. Because they don't ask how, they ask how many. But the bottom line is, the Bucks put boot to ass in this game. And they beat the hell out of the Hornets. Yeah, they, they didn't did. just win this game. They also held the Hornets under 90 points. That is rare. In today's NBA, yes. Uh, we've seen the Bucks score that in three quarters. Four so, times. here we go. <laughs> You already mentioned Damian Lillard getting off to a good start. Um, Jay Crowder's ball movement is underrated. I think that's something we should probably discuss. Um, this is uh, Pat Beverly's debut, and he's already busting out clipboards. Man. And it was, dude, it was hilarious to see it. And he's talking to Brooke Lopez already, and, you know, they're getting stuff going. Did you hear what Doc said about the play that Pat Beverly was drawing up? No. It was from their Clippers days together. It was like a four-year-old play that Doc doesn't even use anymore that Pat Beverly still had in the back of his mind. That's impressive, actually. It really is. The recall on on Pat Beverly to remember a play from back when they played on the Clippers under Doc Rivers that Doc Rivers doesn't even use anymore. Wow. So I thought that was cool. Um, And I'll say with Damian Lillard being healthy – and Pat Beverly, guys who have previously had some beef, winning cures everything, and they're here to win. And I'll say that this, them both being on the floor, obviously not together very often because Pat's going to be Dame's primary backup, but just the energy in general just felt way better from this game. The energy on both sides of the ball, it felt way better. The Bucks were forcing shot clock violations, forcing Charlotte to take tough shots, Beasley getting back on track. He passed Ray Allen for the most five three-point games in a season, and we aren't even at the All-Star break yet. Yeah. So that's cool. Uh, the Bucks were up 66-38 to 38 at the halftime. I do not care who you are playing. Those are both good numbers. That puts you on pace to win 132-76. to 76. Pretty close. <laughs> so... I don't care. The Bucks had four guys in double figures in the first half. Second half, the Bucks got off to a good start in the first couple minutes of the game. Or sorry, the second half. The Hornets didn't score any points for the first two minutes of the third quarter. Bucks forced another shot clock violation. The ball movement was beautiful. And then the fourth quarter was nothing but reserves. And that's where, you, like you said, we got the, the nasty highlights, which we did a reaction to, which was a lot of fun. Uh, so you can check that out. Um, just reading comments to each other from, from Thanasis's moves. In that game. Now, the other thing is I just brought up the fundamental failures from the, from the Timberwolves game. This game, playing a team that you would expect the Bucks to beat and beat handily, 
allowed 12 second chance points, only five points off turnovers. That number is beautiful. And then four missed free throws. That's 21 fundamental failure points. That is the second lowest I have ever seen. Wow. So I love that. Uh, Brett said, I love that Bev grabbed the clipboard, and I hate it when people say Dame is overrated. He gets as much as people say Middleton is hurt again. He's going through legal issues, and his ankle's bothering him, also being away from family. He'll get it together, and the Bucks will be fine by playoff time. And and that's the thing is Dame has a long enough track record of being a high performer that I'm not going to worry about it until the games truly matter. All right, so let's talk about a measuring stick game with the Bucks and Nuggets two weeks after they had just played the Bucks and Nuggets. So this one in Milwaukee, what stood out to you from this one? <coughs> Excuse me. So Giannis, okay, Jokic. After this one, I'm sorry. Giannis was absolutely going right at anybody that was wearing a Denver Nuggets jersey. Yeah. And if, if he wanted to, he could have had another 50-piece Nuggets. Oh, yeah going on with Lopez and the rest of the team. Not sure what you mean by that, but um, Giannis, 36 points, 18 rebounds, and five assists. He had as many assists as missed shots. That's, oh, that's nice. ridiculous. Uh, Damian Lillard, 18, 3, and 5. Uh, he's got to get the legs under him again after having a couple days off with the ankle. Brooke Lopez, nine points. Jay, Jay and, and Malik, were really just making impacts by playing good defense. I felt like the defense, this was the best, and I know it's not the lowest because the Hornets were 84, but I feel like this was the best that the team played defense the entire year. Mm -hmm. uh, the energy level was amazing. The rotations were amazing. I just felt like everything was on par. Uh, Bobby Portis, I think, had a, had a solid game by his standards. And the Bucks shot 47% behind the three-point line. So they were getting good ball movement, and they were getting into their shots early. Uh, there was a couple plays that we broke down from this game as well that were just like a mama the mia, right? Mm -hmm. So one thing I want to point out, uh, 30 assists. Uh, we, had we had 20 fast break points. Denver had 11. Giannis had more fast break points by himself than Denver did. He had 13 compared to Denver's 11. So he was really just looking to get the ball and, and get running. And you can kind of see the vision that Doc has, right? Now, Doc talked after this game, and he was talking about how he wants Giannis to be a floater on, on defense. Now, that allows you to do two things. One, it always allows a rim defender on, on the floor at the rim, which Doc pointed out. Two, it allows him to be disruptive with his length and his, his quickness, uh, getting steals from behind, getting deflections. Yep. Three, it gets him on the fast break faster. So those are all three positive things that we need to be using uh, Giannis in that role. Uh, use him to all of his abilities. And I think Doc's going to try to get everything he can out of him. His biggest thing that he has to get is, is Dame and Giannis on the same page, and they actually connected on a lob. So, uh, I mean, they got that going for him. So once those two get it going and Chris Middleton gets ramped up, I am going to be less than worried. Yeah. Uh, Duggan said they need to step up with Middleton down. I think that's just kind of a feel thing because, like, obviously you're not expecting a guy who's playing 30, 35 minutes a game to be absent for long. Um, yeah. And that's not, you know, how you want to go about it. Um, and I think we saw Beasley step up in some of these games, definitely the Hornets game for sure, and he's capable of it. Um, 
So, you know, I think it's just going to be game by game. You know, you just need one guy to score five or ten points more and another guy to score a couple more points here. And then whoever's mm-hmm. filling in the starting lineup, just 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 helping out. Um, I'm not expecting anybody to replicate Chris Middleton's performance while Chris Middleton is out. <clears throat> so we talked about defense. Uh, the Bucks actually jumped out to an 11-2 to lead, um, and I didn't mind the challenge that Doc Rivers called. I saw people complaining about the challenge about uh, Damian Lillard, uh, his offensive foul. I thought that it looked like Damian Lillard got fouled before he hit. I don't remember who he hit. He hit the guy in the face after. But I thought the foul happened first. So I don't hate the challenge by Doc Rivers. Um, it's just one of those things where, like, we talked about it during the Badgers segment, that if people have, you know, somebody that they don't like, they will twist any sort of logic as a reason to not like Doc. Yeah. I agree. So that challenge was one of them. And people are like, oh, why is Doc challenging that? He's a terrible coach. Just turn your fucking TV off until April and leave the adults alone. Agreed. <clears throat> that said, uh, Brett, we're going to talk about uh, last night's game, but he said poured all their energy against the Nuggets, held them under 100. And yeah, we'll talk about, we'll talk about the Heat game. <clears throat> but I really thought, even though Jokic was playing really well, and he is one of the two best players in the world, the Bucks were making it hard on him. You know, they were throwing multiple guys at him. Lopez was being a little physical with him and forcing him to take contested shots, which he makes contested shots because he's Nikola Jokic. That's why he's got two MVPs. Yeah, and he's a champion. That too. <clears throat> but getting into the second quarter, the Bucks really firing on all cylinders. Playing good defense, leading to transition. We broke down multiple plays of defense turning into offense. Um, that Connaughton playing good high IQ basketball on both ends of the floor. Um, the Bucks playing together. They built a double digit lead starting with their defense. Denver didn't hit 30 points in the game. 30 points in the game until 6-12 in the second quarter. Mm. And Jamal Murray, a guy that we like we said in one of our play breakdowns, we hold in very high regard. Yep. He didn't score until about one minute left in the second quarter. He was getting clamped. And that's shout-out to Pat, shout-out to AJ, Dame a little bit, Pat Bev a little bit, but mainly Pat and AJ guarding Jamal Murray. A little bit more size on him. Yeah, and they did a great job. Um, And Giannis just scoring on everybody. He had 26 points at halftime already. (laughs) Um. Jamal Murray didn't start the second half. They, you know, they were getting beat by double digits, so they kind of just held them out. We've seen the Bucks do that, or not the Bucks do that. We've seen the, the Celtics do that against the Bucks when the Bucks were running them out of the building. But this game is a perfect example for people that say Giannis has no bag because Giannis was in his bag. He hit that pump fake, then he did the step through and got a dunk out of it. Then the next po- next possession down, he gets a pulse fade and perfectly swishes it. Dude, Giannis was cooking. Uh, Dame came alive in the third quarter. I believe he had 14 of his 18 in the third quarter. Um, the Bucks, the Bucks getting creative with screens too. This is something I maybe should go back and get some clips of because um, this is the Doc Rivers thing. They're doing different kinds of screens and setting them in different areas, using them off the ball, being more creative, setting screens. And I, I, well, I love it. It mama's the Mia. Could be a Dave Hager thing, too. Yeah. 
Um, so the Bucks were up 28 after the third quarter. The Nuggets only scored 19 points in the third quarter. So at the end of the third quarter, um, the Nuggets had 63 points. At halftime, the Bucks had 60. I like that. So honestly, when it comes to scoring, two games in a row under 100 points for the opponents. They haven't done that since 2021 in November on the 22nd and 24th. The two opponents that they faced in those games were Orlando and Detroit, which in 2021, I don't have to tell you, were not good basketball teams. No. And you they know, were this they year, Charlotte, the <laughs> Yeah. This year's Charlotte team is not a good basketball team. Denver is the defending champs. So yeah. that's that's a statement, I'll say, those two games. <clears throat> um, the defense just looks way different. You already mentioned Bobby Portis. I think Pat Beverly is helping the ball move quicker. And then the Bucks under Doc Rivers so far are rebounding way better. Yeah, they are. And this is something we can kind of transition into a little bit, but um, just having more guys near the basket is benefiting the Bucks defensively, especially when it comes to rebounding. Yeah. <clears throat> now, fundamental failures this game. 16 second chance points allowed to Denver, who are good at that. Uh, nine points off turnovers, that's pretty low. And six missed free throws totals to 31. Now, the fundamental failures so far up through this game under Doc Rivers, 31-21. And then you have a stretch of 41-45-38. All of those games, either two or three starters were absent. And then before that, 20, 26, and 32. So under Doc Rivers, uh, when missing only one starter, they averaged 26 fundamental failure points. Last year, the average was 38. Nice. So the Bucks are playing better basketball. Um, and then just looking at um, two games when everybody was healthy and available, the first two, the, the Trailblazers and the Nuggets game, the first two of Doc Rivers' tenure, 32 and 26, that's an average of 29. It's not bad at all. Even in those first two games when Doc Rivers has just taken over a team, the fundamentals are already better. The principles yeah. are already better. Yeah. So I think Doc Rivers is doing positive things for this team. <clears throat> and, yeah, we can jump into – Brett said Jokic is pretty bad with the complaining too. Yeah. And, like I said, Luka is the same way. It's – it is what it is, I guess. I mean, Damian Lilly got teed up for it the other day. It's, I don't know. It's a thing that happens, I guess. Um, I mean, some the, guys, refing, the refing's always going to be a problem with somebody. So Right. It's just, yeah, some guys do it more than others, and yeah, some yeah, guys yeah. do it way more than others. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, last night's game, kind of a similar one to how I feel about the Timberwolves game, and now is when I think it's a great time for you to make your point on back-to-backs. Yeah, I just I don't understand what the schedule makers were looking at. I mean, we were just on a West Coast West Coast road trip, a five game, ten day road trip where we played a back to back. Wait, yeah, we played. Did we play two back to backs? No, we played one back to back. Uh, Utah and Mavericks. So we played a back to back there, and then we come back home and we play a back to back between the Timberwolves and the Hornets. Then we have two days off. And then we play a back-to-back between the Nuggets and the Heat. I just, uh, well, what are what are we doing here? And now I get not playing out Super Bowl Sunday. I get that too. But, but but break something up. Break up the Thursday Friday. Why are we not playing on Saturday? 
you know, why, why are we having all these back-to-backs? So I do agree that we wasted a lot of energy uh, playing against the Nuggets. And you could tell that when this Bucks team was locked in, oh, when this Bucks team was locked in, um, they were they, they're very good. And this is a ceiling for this team. They can lock people down. They can get consecutive stops. They can get out on the fast break. And they, they can take it to anybody, man. It doesn't matter the gym. If this team is playing to its potential, they're good. And this is without Dame being Dame, really, and no Chris Middleton, remember. Yep. So when you look at it that way and the national media doesn't talk about it, when you got Kendrick Perkins, freaking diabetic ass over there, freaking talking out of his ass every day about, oh, the books are in trouble, this, this, this. I just think I have never, ever in my life would have imagined that the small market teams in Wisconsin will be getting hate like this. <laughs> now, the Packers are a different scenario because the Packers are a brand in themselves. Right. One of the oldest and, franchises in all of sports. And one of the winningest. True. And then when you add the Aaron Rodgers drama in there, I understand why that, that stuff happened the last 10 years, right? Sure. As ultra-talented as he is, as the coaching, all that stuff, right? Blah, yeah. blah, blah. We've been over it. That's fair. But for the Bucks, and a guy like Giannis, who is one of the most down-to-earth human beings you'll ever meet, you mm-hmm. know, and you have to set different standards for these guys because he's in a whole different, you know, tax bracket, a whole different world than us, right? I was regular people. And for him to still be the guy that he is, is absolutely amazing he literally before the season gets every worker there a pair of his shoes yeah i guarantee you that's not free oh no i mean i'm sure him and his family you know finances and all that i'm sure and his his wife and his kids i'm sure his mom i'm sure they all get some some free right like those are probably write-offs but for all the staff members i guarantee he he pays for those but i don't understand the hate and i don't understand why they didn't talk about the nuggets game more but as soon as we lost this game to the Heat, which, by the way, this is our one and only loss to the Heat this year. Yep. We beat them two times before this. I don't understand why they talked about this Heat game and they started talking about how, like, the Bucks are food. We're on the second half of a back-to-back, which, by the way, the Bucks are 7-3 and three in those games, which is the second-best record in the NBA. We were tied with the Celtics for the number one record on second half of back-to-backs at 7-2. and two. But – they talked about the Heat game like that was the only game we played this week. They talked about the Timberwolves game like that was the only game we played this week. They didn't yeah. want to talk about the Hornets game because that was just the Hornets. And then, you know, they didn't want to talk about the Nuggets game because the Nuggets were on the road or something like that. I don't know. But, you know, they sure as hell, all the media outlets sure as hell updated their their record, the Bucks record on their dock as fast as they could last night. Oh, yeah. So that stuff just doesn't make any sense to me. There's also one more thing I'm going to bring up later, but I'll, I'll let Tyler have the floor for right now. <clears throat> so when it comes down to this game, and I showed it on the screen, is is recency bias. That's a huge thing when we get to games like this, and Jake already touched on one of the things. And one of the things of the recency bias is the record against the Heat. People being like, oh, the Bucs can't beat the Heat. The Bucs just like the Heat or the Bucs kryptonite when the Bucs are literally 2-1 and one against the Heat this year. So there's that. Um, the, the recency bias of Nikola Jovic. Dude, why, why do we have to do this where we have to use an opponent's good game 
to somehow tear down what we have on our team. That's just how the internet works now, man. Because Nikola Jovic, yes, was picked three picks after Marjan Bochamp. But because Nikola Jovic had one good game, it's not a thing to go and like throw shade at John Horst for a guy who was picked three picks after a guy the Bucks picked to be a potential prospect of the future. Mm-hmm. Just because Miami's in a way different situation than the Bucks are, you don't think if Giannis was away from the team for four days with a death in the family like Jimmy Butler currently is, that Marjan wouldn't be playing a bigger role? Like, that's that's where the Heat are. That's their reality. They yeah. needed Jovic to have a game like this to beat the Bucks. They did. And credit to the rest of them. They all made three-pointers like there was no tomorrow. Yeah. But the recency bias aspect of of fandom is just ridiculous. We we got to work on it. It's a it's a real real problem. And that goes to just like Jake said about the the Doc Rivers record thing. Is as soon as the Bucks lose a game, well, let's go update the Bucks record record under Doc Rivers. But when they win, well, that's just what they're supposed to do. So we're not going to talk about it. It's just the Hornets. That's what they're supposed to do. So we're not going to talk about it. Well, the Bucks beat the Nuggets. They're playing at home. That's what they're supposed to do. The Bucks lost at home. We're not going to talk about that as a second back of back. They just lost. They lost at home to the Heat. Yep. I'm not going to talk about the fact that the Heat haven't beat the Bucks until this game this season. I'm not going to talk about the Bucks being seven and three on back to backs, like Jake said, even after this game. Now. If we want to talk about Doc Rivers, the first thing I want to say is let's talk about last night's game. Um, Miami shooting ridiculous. 19 out of 40, that's 47.5% on threes. Yeah. The Bucks were 13 of 39, that's 33.3% on threes. So that's a an 18, per, 18 point difference there. The Bucks lost by 26. I mean, you're talking about an eight point game where it was the three point shooting the same. Yeah. Now, that said, the Bucks offense just cooled off. Doc Rivers talked about it um, cooling off in the second half. But let's just let's just boil this down. The Bucks have played nine games under Doc Rivers in two weeks and a day, so fifteen days. They played nine games in fifteen days. That's a lot of games. Yeah, it is. And, and there was a five of them in were in the West Coast. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And six of them were either the were part of back to back games. That's a lot of basketball games. Doc said it when he got hired that the Bucks were going into a tough stretch and this stretch was going to be useful to teach them about themselves. Yeah. And I, I seriously, if you don't believe that this team is playing different, I don't know what else you need because the team is passing the eye test, that they are playing different and doing better on the things that they weren't doing well under Adrian Griffin. And again, I'm not going to use this to throw shade at Adrian Griffin. But I think Doc is getting an unfair shake when we're talking about what is going on with the Bucks, Because I don't think that if Adrian Griffin were the head coach instead of Doc Rivers, that anything would be would be different, record-wise. I don't think so either. Um, you know, I'm not gonna say that it would be worse. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that because it's just it, there's no way to prove it and it doesn't benefit anybody. But you look at the defense, it passes the eye test. We broke down a whole bunch of plays from the Bucks playing the defending champs of the defense looking different and better 
and the rebounding better offense. It's getting there. Obviously, they haven't been healthy and fully 100%. Uh, Brooke had a baby. Chris stepped on Kevin Durant's ankle, and Damian Lillard twisted his ankle after dunking on Walker Kessler. Yeah. But the first six games of those nine, the Bucks were one and five. That was five out of those six on the West Coast. Since then, they're two and one. So last three games are two and one. Mm-hmm. And the second was on the second half of a back-to-back. Yep. So we're not even at the All-Star break. Plenty of time to go. I'm not worried. Um, Jake, you had one other thing you wanted to bring up. Yeah. Um, so especially after last night, it got pretty ugly. Uh, there's a lot of discussion going around about, oh, this team's better than us. We'd lose to this team in the playoffs. I just want to add some context to that. So I wa- I was really interested. I wanted to look up records versus 500 teams, right? I wanted to see where the Bucks stack up against their opponents, right? So team like Miami, who apparently has the Bucks number, is 11 and 17 against teams over 500. Okay. Gross. Team like Indiana, who apparently uh, looks at the Bucks and thinks that their food is 15 and 16 against teams under over 500. So, not a terrible record. Still not a winning record. Uh-huh. Team like Philadelphia uh, earlier in the year, where you heard Kendrick Perkins blubber from his fat face, say that they were better than the Bucks. They are 11 and 14 versus teams over 500. Ooh. Not better than the Bucks. Team like New York Knicks who were the hottest topic in the NBA for a while. Much of the reason I, reasoning behind that, I believe, is New York media. They yep. are 11 and 19 against teams over 500. Wow. Not huh. great. Interesting. You go to the ball. Uh, I mean, Boston Celtics are 22 and 11. They're, they're their class of the East right yep. now. At this very moment, they are the class of the East. What, uh, oh. what, about, what about Cleveland? Cleveland. Cleveland Cavaliers, a team that looks at the Bucks and thinks that they're food. You know, if you ask uh, ask the media, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers are thirteen to fifteen. Interesting. You go to the Bucks. Everything that's happened, coaching changes, Damian Lillard drama, Chris Middleton Injuries. getting healthy, coming back, Brooke Lopez leaving. The sky is freaking falling in Milwaukee. The Bucks are seventeen to thirteen against teams over five hundred. Now, that is not the most amazing record of all time. I'm not going to sit here and beat my chest over it. But when you take into context everything that has happened, over 500 record versus teams that are over 500, we're winning games against teams that are also winning games. That's a great sign. If I'm not mistaken, based on your numbers there, that's number two in the East. That is. That is the second best record of teams over 500. Now, obviously, the Celtics from day one, that ma- that that marriage was going to work. Porzingis mm-hmm. was going to fit in. Um, amazingly on that team. They needed a shot blocker. They needed a guy that could spread the floor. That was going to be an amazing, amazing acquisition for them. And then, obviously, Drew Holiday getting one of the the best on-ball defender in the NBA. I could still say that uh, and not feel bad about it. The best on-ball defender in the NBA, you're going to add that to Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Obviously, they're going to be very good. We know that. And they're well-coached. And they're well-coached. The Bucs have not even hit stride, and we still have an over 500 record against teams that are over 500. If you're if you're a Celtics fan and James is in here now, and you're looking at the Bucks, and and James, you can answer honestly, like it, it, you can answer however you feel. If you're looking at the Bucks and you're thinking, man, they haven't even had anything together, and they're still beating teams that are winning games, 
you have to be a little bit fucking scared. Derek White. No disrespect to Derek White. He's fantastic. I mean, the, uh, the Celtics top to bottom are a tremendous team. And they obviously hero, Derek well. But if, if you're a Celtics fan, you got to be – there's a reason that they post about us every time we lose because they know that if we get our shit together and Damian Lillard turns into Damian Lillard, Giannis is going to be Giannis. Brooke Lopez is going to block shots, and he's going to stretch the floor. If Chris Middleton comes back to me and Chris Middleton, he's a Celtic that game series is going to be legendary. Oh, it's going to be instant classic. So I want good. a fully healthy Bucks celtics seven-game series. I don't want any injuries for either side. I really absolutely. If I take the fandom out of it, if I take all my buck stuff off my walls, if I take if I take all the love that I have for them out of my heart, as a fan of basketball, I want Buck Celtics fully healthy. I don't care where the game is happening. That shit is gonna be bonkers. It's Straight dude. Up. What instant classic? Like I said, instant classic. If those two can meet in the Eastern Conference Finals, it'll be that would be insane. I mean, and obviously, James, I'm not going to write the Bucks ticket. I'm not going to write the Celtics ticket. We don't know what's going to happen. Right. You saw the Heat last year. They yep. were a problem. They were a problem for not only us. They made it to the finals. And, <laughs> they knocked and, the Celtics and, out. And people want to forget about that. Yeah. Jimmy Butler can turn can can just flip a switch like nobody I've he's ever a, seen in my he's entire a life. Dog. But I will say, the Bucks and Celtics are the two most talented teams. But obviously, right. they don't always yep. win. I would love a Buck Celtic series in the playoffs with Foley healthy, yep. dude. That would be amazing. Um, James said, out of the three times we faced in the playoffs, two of the series have been to full seven. Man. Yeah. We, we've one had, of them, Giannis took by himself, already, basically, with Chris injured. Uh, Steve said, does Boston have any boogeymans? Um, Doc Rivers? Maybe. Maybe. Um, yeah, James said, that's why I said we'll see. Um you know, but, I mean, I honestly, if we're talking about it, just where the Bucks are now, I think they are a better team um, than they were with Adrian Griffin. I think Doc Rivers has brought positive changes, even yep. though the record hasn't reflected it yet. Yep. Because, like I said, I think even if Adrian Griffin were still the coach, that this team could still have had a tough stretch in these last 15 days. Yeah. All right. So the Bucks only have one game between now and next Wednesday because of the All-Star break. So that is Memphis tomorrow night. Um, so, I mean, we got one more game for the All-Star break, and then Giannis, Dame, Beasley are going to be in some All-Star festivities. Um, other than that, we got a, a pretty chill show next week. It's only three basketball games, but we are coming up on draft prep season, which is going to start in March, uh, March 15th. That's a Friday night. That's going to be our Brewers primer. That's going to be a great show. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Other than that, um, I do want to give a shout-out because I saw that he was watching Tyler from Wisco Ball. Um, all the, the logos you see in the back, those are Wisco Ball shirts, uh, one of them being the Buck Yeah logo. He just got hoodies in, so he's got Buck Yeah hoodies coming. It's like, mm, I need one of those. And it's almost time to break the Yelly hoodie back out. Uh, his baseball season is getting close because pitchers and catchers reported today. I put the hat on, baby. I yeah, pitchers on. and catchers reported today. Uh, the Bucks did, or the Bucks. See, here I am. Uh, I said the Bucks. I said the Buck Yeah shirt. So then I here I am. Um, the Brewers made a small trade today. Uh, they traded Clayton Andrews, a guy they were going to DFA after signing uh, Gary Sanchez. Um, they did swap him for a 19-year-old pitcher from the Yankees. So, yep. 
it's uh, it's interesting to see what the Brewers are going to be doing. Uh, we're going to have some good voices coming with our Brewers primer on the 15th and some fun questions, some in-depth questions. So definitely looking forward to that. And as always, our draft prep is going to be in-depth as well. And that's going to start on March 22nd. I think we're going to have that. But um, the Friday shows are going to ratchet back up on March 1st. So Jake and I will not be back on Friday. We will be back next Wednesday. So thank you, everybody, for watching and definitely stick with us because we are uh we're trying to get some big things going i'll leave it at that uh but jake and i are trying to cook up some big things for this spring so hey. uh yeah we're getting there. We're getting there getting um, there um leprechaun, but... leprechaun. that's funny actually we have we have the milk mamba so watch out milk for him mamba milk mamba baby Alrighty. well go bucks go badgers enjoy the all-star break and we'll see everybody next wednesday Till then, see you then. Peace out. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.